0: It's time for Living Your Purpose, a motivational and inspirational podcast with Peter and Joyce Nielsen.
1: Welcome to Living Your Purpose. I'm Peter Nielsen with my lovely wife, Joyce. And today is a special day. I have uh, someone who I call friend, uh, Stephen Shia. And, um, you know, he's just an amazing man. I call him the rainmaker because... He's got this um, amazing company, and he's the executive servant leader at JMB Medical, a global healthcare solutions company founded in 1996 by his family. And his role is to oversee all the strategies. And I'm going to let him really talk about this because I had physical therapy businesses throughout the state of Michigan and different places in the country. And all the physical therapy devices and stuff, believe it or not, came from JMB Medical. Never to think I would be dearest best friends with the man himself. With so without further ado, Stephen, thank you so much for being on Living Your Purpose.
0: <laughs> thank you, Peter. Thank you, Joyce. It's truly an honor, and and I cannot just share with your audience how much love and respect I have for, for both. So it's truly an honor to be on on here today. Thank you. It's (laughs) such a pleasure to finally meet you. I hear so much. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. So can you share with us a little bit of background about your family? my mother was one of 12 children, Uh, one of her her, parents. Siblings passed away at a young age. My grandmother was a midwife, and while number twelve was in utero, um, she was delivering thousands and thousands of babies in a small enclave in Iraq called Tel Kappa, which is where there was a lot of Iraqi Christians but also uh, people from many other religions and faiths and My grandmother raised all of these children on her own because her husband, when when number 12 was year old died wow. from a hunting accident. And she was the epitome of servant leadership. She, she went to people's homes at all hours of the night. Now remember, back in the day, in the 1960s, there wasn't just a community hospital where you could just go to. And so she would go to their homes. She would deliver these babies many, many times. Um, they didn't have the money to. Um, they, they didn't have the money to to um, to pay her. So she bartered for either food or some other services. Um, and when I think of my grandmother, she had so much wisdom. So when they were getting ready to leave, it would have been a political issue for them to leave, especially because she was a critical part of the community. She was the only person doing deliveries there, but it was time for the family to leave. So she sold all the items in their home, and she told the sisters from the nearby church who was supposed to get what. They got the monies from the people, and they bought these gold bracelets And they put, (coughs) each one of the children was wearing the gold bracelets when they came to the United States. So they literally had everything that they were worth. um, uh, They literally had everything that they were worth, um, um, you know, on them. And uh, when they came to the United States. And my mother uh, was, was, you know, one of them. And she they came here in nineteen sixty six She met my father in nineteen sixty seven uh they got married um and uh, they had me in nineteen seventy and my memories of my grandmother were she had so much joy and richness she didn't have anything materially. When she came here to the U.S., she gave everything to her children. So she would go live with the different children, um, helping them as they were having families, having children. Um, She literally had almost nothing materially. uh, But she just, there was so much joy and so much richness in giving and helping. Um, It is very surreal to me when I meet people that say that my grandmother delivered them. So it's kind of interesting. Oh, you know, your grandmother delivered me. It's a little bit of a different bond than, than maybe different things that we have today, like, you know, liking or having affinity for a certain sports team. My, my father was, um, he came here in, in his early 20s under political duress. He was getting a lot of flack uh, for, you know, being kind of a high-profile Christian and, um, and so he made the, the move to leave Iraq. My grandmother begged him not to leave because she said, once you leave under these circumstances, you're never going to be able to come back. And, uh, my dad left. He didn't know anyone here in the U S uh, at the time he landed in the U S um, he enrolled at the university of Michigan and he got four jobs the day he landed. So and he met my mother. Uh, they had four children. And my dad was always working. Um, and we didn't have a lot growing up. But we were rich in family. We were rich in spirit. We were rich where it really mattered. And we always ate well, fortunately, unfortunately. So food was, <laughs> like, serious, serious business for us. So, uh, and, um. Uh, And I always remembered my father, he woke up every day and he would think about the family. He would think about his faith and, you know, business priority for my father. And, you know, there was such clarity. My dad had such clarity. He was there was right and wrong. There was no gray. You know, and I think that helped him a lot in life. I think that helped him a lot in business. Um, he would often make decisions, on on things and I would be like, dad, do do you want to think about this? He's like, no, um, like what happens if you're wrong? Then he's like, I'll know a lot faster then. So he was just, he kind of had this, you know, this beautiful divine clarity and when he's looking at life and looking at people and, um.
1: It's amazing when you have that peace like no other. And it sounds like he had, you know, and I always say you only get that kind of peace from the Prince of Peace. And it has so much to do with knowing your faith and knowing the God that you serve. Because a lot of times people get peace on 80 degrees in the Bahamas on a beach. But the true peace comes when you're in the middle of the storm you don't see land and you still know it's going to be okay you know now was your dad around like he, he's been gone just recently am i correct
0: my father died in in november of 2020 and it was a kind of a unique story which i haven't shared publicly but my brother and his wife his pregnant wife were living um, with my my mom and my dad, uh, and my uh, my my sister in law, his uh, my brother's wife was in a room upstairs um, on November twentieth, two thousand twenty, and all of a sudden she felt this bright light come, and she was you know six months pregnant, and and uh, she felt this incredible warmth and. Enjoy all of a sudden, like she's never felt better like this in her whole life, and and then a minute later, uh, my dad um, he had a heart attack and uh, he passed and he passed you know within basically an hour. I was in California at the time, so at the time it was devastating because you want to say goodbye. You know he was seventy seven, which you know I still think's very young. Uh, But in looking back on it, um, number one, I think the angels came to get with my father because he's a very righteous man and he didn't suffer. And many, many, many people that I'm talking to or um, engaged with have shared with me how their loved one, their mom, their dad, their grandma, their grandpa had a long, prolonged kind of suffering. So. Even though you know it was challenging, and, and there's never enough, you know, you, you know, you can never. I don't think there's any good way, you know, or easy way. Um, the fact that he didn't have to suffer and he was working till the day he died um, a gift. Gave me, um, you know, uh, you know, gave me some some consolation, and uh, and I truly believe that. You know, that he is up in heaven, he's looking down on us, and one thing that keeps me going every day, you know, there's a lot of legends in the the cemetery, but there's very few legacies. Mm -hmm. There's very few people whose, you know, their love, their respect, their purpose carry on beyond their lifetime, and I truly believe in every part of my being that my father is one of those people. And, uh, and I'm very blessed to have him, you know, be my father, uh, very blessed to have him, uh, uh very blessed to have him, uh, you know, uh, just be a, uh, just a role model, a mentor, kind of the spiritual compass of my family. I mean, I'm just so blessed in so many ways, so... Um, everything that we've done, whether it's in our family, whether it's in our business, um, you know those those uh, my grandmother and my my father their their love and their faith continue on in all of us.
1: You know, and and listening to you and knowing you, you know, and getting to know you, you've been a blessing to so many people that you touch their lives, including me. You know, there's so much about your personal background. I mean, you're so humble. You know, I'm, I'm asking to have a meeting with Stephen, and he's like, "Well, you know, I'm I'll be in. I think it was in Dallas or something." Or, and he's like, "I was like, so you're going there for a meeting?" He's like, "Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be with the bushes," you know, <laughs> yeah. or or the, I'm, I'm traveling. Where are you job? Tra- oh, I'm with the Pope and the Vatican. And it's like God has blessed you as such a rainmaker. You're a giver. You, you're, you're so compassionate with your heart. And um, can you just share? I mean, you know, I, we'll talk about JMB and in in your history with the business. But a lot of businesses are successful because of the heart and soul of the people that walk those hallways. And you are a big part of that.
0: Wow. Well, thank you for those kind words. Um, Again, it it comes from my mom, my dad, my grandma, and I've had many mentors um, that have have played uh, very important instrumental roles on my journey. I think... Our journey, I know, our journey really is a journey of faith. Um, you know, uh, Martin Luther King, and I, you know, I love quotes, but Martin Luther King uh, he, he said you take the first step, even though you don't see the whole staircase. And I think in many ways that epitomizes our family. Um, we, you know, many times, you know, uh, when you look forward on your journey, things don't look clear. Uh, but when you look back, it all makes sense. You right. know, why did I have to go through this? Why did I have to endure that? Um, and you know, I think for us, I mean, we failed more than we succeeded. Uh, we have more scars and stars, but every failure God was setting us up for success and we had to learn a lesson sometimes it was a little harder than it maybe should have been uh because we should have heard the lesson before (laughs) but i truly believe that everything on your journey happens for a reason our meaning our purpose the reason why god put us on this planet is to make healthcare affordable and accessible to as many people globally as as we can that's our calling it took me a long time to kind of figure out what that's what god wanted for me i mean you're, and, a doc,
1: you're an md and you have you've actually given birth to babies
0: <laughs> i've given birth to over a hundred babies uh albeit i didn't deliver our three babies probably for very very good reason <laughs> but but i you know it's I'll tell you, childbirth is such a blessing. The first time I saw childbirth um, at Providence Hospital in Southfield, I cried. Um, I cried. It just it was so beautiful. There was a grandma, there was a grandpa, there was a mother, a father, the scene life. I mean, it was you know, I just it put, it put me in tears, and uh, and uh, it's just such a beautiful thing. It's Such a beautiful thing. So but, you made um,
1: that transition. Obviously, because you felt as though that your purpose was leading you in a different direction, correct?
0: Yeah, I was totally, totally, uh, you know, it was all God. I had graduated medical school in 1996. My um, father had um, sold his medical lab business for, at that time, a, a lot of money. And he was retired for about five weeks. And then my mother basically said, you need to go do something. So (laughs) she kicked him out of the house. um, And he he couldn't get back into the lab business, so he started a medical supply business. And I used to come home. I kind of knew that I wanted to stay local. So in medical school, you have, um, in your last year... Um, You have time to go interview. You get three months. And I already knew I wanted to stay local. I knew where I wanted to go. So it was a relatively easy process for me. Um, And, you know, I would go see my dad. Uh, You know, I would go home to see my parents. And and every time I go home, my dad was getting the business from... from, uh, uh, And I remember one in particular, I don't want to say who it is. uh, She's like, you know you should uh, forget the medical business. You should go into the gas station business. Now today, of course, she doesn't remember that. She just, <laughs> she always believed that we were destined for greatness. So, uh, but, but anyway, uh, so, and, you know, you know, my dad was a very proud man and he, you know, he really believed that the medical arena was what his, his calling was. and, Uh, So I had some free time, and I went to go see him. And uh, one day, and uh, it was a 400 square foot facility uh, in Southfield, Michigan, right on Southfield Road. And I remember he was on the phone with a customer, and he was talking with his customer for like an hour. And you know, my dad had a thick accent. He's like, "Hello, my friend," and he's talking, and he's you know back and forth and and um and he finally got off the phone after an hour and uh he's like son what do you think of j and b i'm like dad this could be big one day and he's like really really and i'm like yeah dad i think it would be big and i have a lot of time on my hands and i can help you and he didn't really like that part of it at the beginning (laughs) but it was kind of fun working with him um i worked with him for three years and then i um I went back and did my uh, residency and family practice. I did a fellowship in occupational environmental health. And, uh, and, uh, and so, um, so anyway, um, it was a, um, it was a, um, you know, great blessing to work with him. And in 2004, I, um, but you know, there's some challenges with the family business too. I mean, to this day, I get fired pretty regularly. So, you know, there's pros and cons. I mean, fortunately, I have three grandchildren for my mother. So Mm -hmm. a little job security on on many, but not all occasions. Um, But I was uh, in 2004, I had graduated. I was making really good money. I was single, you know, and I had this six-month period where I was like, wow, this is, uh, you know, you know this is kind of fun this is kind of easy and of course you know i get the call from my dad stud we need you and by the way that's the only time he ever said that he, they needed me so that was like i should have recorded that but uh i thought you know there were some some issues we were dealing with i came back to help in the family business and i ended up um, you know being there ever since so i've been there full time since the end of 2004 and almost 20 years but I was there since the very beginning and to see where we started and to see that how my father just believed for no reason by the way he just believed that you know God had something like you know when I say no reason there was no tangible reason he had his faith you know what I mean and like
1: it reminds me, yeah, just... Stephen, Stephen, it reminds me, my father worked for the telephone company in Brooklyn, New York, and he wanted me to take after him. So he got me, he went to the head of the president of the Teamsters that he was friends with. He got me a job as this splicer. All I remember was working in Bethesda in Brooklyn, and I was unscrewing this little plate from the phone and all these cockroaches came running down the walls and yeah. stuff. I quit after two weeks and my dad didn't talk to me for like six months. He says, you embarrass me. And my point was, is that I said to my dad, I want to become Mr. America. He la- they left. And I remember he had a buzz on him with a couple of drinks with his buddies and he was like, I need help. My son wants to get in Speedos and put oil all over his body and pose in front of 5,000 people. And my point to you, which sounds like your dad, is that when God burns a dream in one's heart, no one needs to understand it because it wasn't their dream. And your dad had passion and belief. And you know the, the the tenacity to be able to move forward, no matter what. And in, in my opinion, that's what truly makes someone champion their own life.
0: I understand. I understand. Well, look, um, I I couldn't agree more. And and you know, one message to I know you have a lot of followers all over the world is you know, especially for the young folks, be open to, you know, we think we've got it all planned out, right? I thought I had it all planned out, going, I was going to be a doctor, and you know, and, and and God, plans are much bigger, you know what I mean? God's plans are much bigger and, you know, God puts things in your heart and your spirit and, you know, we've got to listen to that, you know? So for all the young people out there, just because you start someplace, doesn't mean that that's where you're going to end up and really listen to what God is telling you, you know, and I think that's very important that God was speaking to you and look at, look at the incredible things you've done. <laughs> so Stephen, tell me, um, so what is JMB's mission and what makes them special and sets you guys apart in the industry? Yeah. So let me clarify yeah. one thing, because sometimes I go to places and I tell people I'm with JMB, We are not the scotch whiskey,
1: so I don't want to disappoint anyone. I apologize. Medical. 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 And I will say this. When I pull into Stephen Chaya's parking lot at JMB, and you gave me a tour of your warehouse. Yeah. You amazon's got you got nothing on amazon and amazon's got nothing on you it's like a mile long you literally could get yeah. in a truck and drive through your warehouse and it would take you like literally two hours to see everything or more so how did that happen so
0: we we kept uh we kept growing i think uh One message for for us, from us, is that we kept jumping into things that we didn't really know what we're doing. uh, But we kept, you know, with God's grace, we kept figuring it out. So we started off as a B two B selling everything that goes in goes in a hospital, pharmacy, physician's office, supply, equipment, pharmaceutical, and and. Then we got into kind of some niche businesses. Um, We got into emergency medical supplies, which is like a niche. We sell to police and fire departments. We got into animal health, which is a big, big area. You know, people spend more on their animals than they do themselves. In 2003, 2004, we saw a lot of inefficiencies in the supply chain. So we would buy a wheelchair for $90 from from, from a manufacturer. We would sell them to a provider for 125 dollars. They would bill the insurance company five to eight hundred dollars. And we're looking at this and just trying to figure this out. I, you know, I know a little bit about hummus, but geez, we're on the wrong side of this whole equation here. We're Middle East Christians, so for those of you. Um, we use hummus as a metaphor for good food, good times, good fortune, uh, just to clarify that. So so the proverbial hummus, uh, we are looking at it, and it was, uh, was a little hard to figure out. So we had a thesis in 2003, 2004. We were never going to be the manufacturer at that time, but could become a hybrid of a distribution fulfillment company, a company good with procurement and logistics. Um and a provider providing some sort of clinical services and billing the third-party insurance company. Um, so um, anyway, uh, we, we used that model. We won a contract with the state of Michigan, which we saved the state of Michigan $212 million, hard dollar savings over 12 years. Um, their numbers, we did the same in Wisconsin. We did the same in Indiana. The OIG did a report saying our programs were... Um, Uh, almost 50% uh, improvement clinical outcomes quality costs of the rest of the United States. So that was kind of the catalyst for us to get into payers across the United States. Today we reach 260 million covered lives via insurance contracts today. Um, We have uh, a mail order pharmacy licensed in 48 states uh, today. Um, kind of being able to provide the medical and the pharmacy. And then we have a telemedicine telehealth company. Uh, we do virtual visits around the world. Now, interestingly enough, the last several years of my father's life, he was all about telemedicine, telemedicine, telemedicine. And he spent probably the majority of his time uh, talking about telemedicine because we had projects. We were taking care of billions of patients around yeah. the globe. Many of them never the had country. access.
1: yeah. That's in the midst of COVID, right? When he
0: passed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah so and went. so we were taking care of millions and millions of patients. And uh, it would always, my dad, thought telemedicine was a second coming, you know. And I mean, he just, and it would crack me up because I'm like, dad, uh, you know, you want to be a, you know, change the world with telemedicine, but you can't turn your computer on and off, you know. But he had such faith. He had such belief. My father and his belief was just doggedly. He just believed, and um, and so now we literally take care of patients around the globe. Um, and again, our meaning, our purpose is to provide affordable and accessible healthcare to as many people uh, as we can, um, you know, uh, as possible. And um, and and so it's it's been a blessing. It's been a blessing. My father, you know, he, I feel his presence. You know, every day in our office, I, I know exactly when he, where he fired me all the time, um, and uh, but you no, know, we get a lot of people around the globe come visit us, and and it's truly an honor, you know. And we look at it, we're just stewards of the blessings, you know. We are just stewards of the blessings. So when you say that, oh, we get to meet all these people and do all these amazing things, it's not us. It's all God, you know. God's bringing us together with these people, and we that the people that. You know that you know as it says in Proverbs iron sharpens iron and meeting people like you Peter and you Joyce and, and being around people that we can go out and you know uh, do good in the world in the, in the name of uh, our Lord and Savior is, is just an honor
1: it's amazing you know there's a lot of people out there that want to get out of the bondage and be entrepreneurial and you know here I mean, I came into your office, I met your sister, and I met your your brother, and you have this conglomerate, huge business that's so family-oriented. And for all the people that are trying to get into business or that have fallen short and are just having a tough time, what would be that message of hope that you can give them? Because you've been through a lot yourself.
0: So my, my one advice to your listeners, chase your passion and you find your purpose. And so find the things and the people that energize you and, and pursue those. Because I believe those come from God. And there's a lot of ways to make money. There's a lot of ways to make a living. But if you don't find something that energizes you, if you don't find something that speaks to you, um, because I believe that's God speaking to you, then when the inevitable challenging moments come in, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to persevere. I think when you find those situations, whether it's with people, whether it's with opportunities, whether it's with businesses, when you find those things that really, really, really speak to you, um, I think... It energizes you and excite you, you know, you're finding the things that you're passionate about. That's when you find your purpose.
1: Yep. And, you know, that's, that's, you find what, your purpose. that's what this show is all about. I mean, it's like we were born on purpose for a purpose. And a lot of people will live life on the sidelines because life has beat them up and they lose their hope. They get jaded, desensitized. But, you know, a great example is like, you know, even this lovely woman, my wife, um, I've lived an amazing life. But when you do surround yourself with people that are filled with God's love and light and hope and joy, this woman motivates me and I'm the motivator. (laughs) And even someone like you, Stephen, you know, you get to a point in your life where you can work with whoever you choose to. And what a blessing to, you know, be able to have you as a friend and, and just be able to bounce off things off each other. Because like you said, iron does sharp, sharpen iron. And um, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. And it's, it's accessible to anyone. But we need to speak life into ourselves. We need to truly prophesize, good or bad, what's going to happen tomorrow and so many people they're not filled with enough gratitude which i believe just the byproduct of being grateful it, it creates happiness <laughs> which is a which is a choice it's not a chance but every day we get up and not only do we choose each other but we literally spend a little time on just on how blessed we are with our health our children our you know, what we do, the roof over our head. Um, and it's really important. I guess if you were going to be remembered, you know, what would part of your legacy want to be when it comes to Stephen Shia and your family, um, your business, on what you and your family and God has created? Um, how, do, how do you want to be remembered?
0: So I, I believe that we're all stewards of the blessing. So at every turn I'd like to be remembered as someone who tried to make people better around him. Um, try to make, um uh, try to make, you know, places better, situations better, you know, tried to be, uh, a, um, you know, tried to be a a steward of the blessings, and 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 that's that's it. You know, you never know what cards you're going to be dealt in life. So, but I think anybody can take uh, anybody can take anything and, and see bad in it. They can see bad in people. They can see bad in situations. They can see, you know. I think it takes God's grace to see the divineness yeah. in people and I'm not just talking about the people you love like your beautiful wife I'm talking about difficult people okay. difficult situations mm-hmm. I'm talking about taking situations that that are that are you know challenging situations and seeing beyond and seeing that there's a reason why this is happening and maybe there's lessons that need to be learned. Mm-hmm. And and you know what? I used to see difficult people in situations a lot differently. I used to look and say, Hey, why is so and so being difficult? Why is this so complicated? Why why does it have to be so hard? But then I changed my mindset. I'm like, look, God made me for this. That's what God made me for. He doesn't give you anything you can't handle. Yes. So when it's a difficult person when it's a difficult situation when it's a it's a you know one of those moments i think that's how you grow that's how you learn and i think a lot of times god is like trying to like say hey you know you know don't forget about me here you know <laughs> and so i think that's what i've tried to do is just be that person that can hopefully shine God's light and God's light shines brightest in the darkest moments in the darkest moments. That's when, when, you know, his light, because maybe, you know, it's lighting the way, not just for you, but maybe the light is lighting the way for other people out of difficult circumstances. So it's taken me a long time to get there. I still have those weak moments where, you know, why me, why do I have to deal with this? You know, and, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, God's given us all the tools. You know, it's up to us to use them and in our spiritual and, and, you know, faith war chest. So, you know, that's what I'd like to do at every turn is just like make wherever or whoever I'm around uh, better than when I got there.
1: And you do. You do an amazing job at that. How can people find you, Stephen, if people... Are you on LinkedIn? Are you on Instagram, uh, Facebook, website?
0: <laughs> oh, so this is kind of a funny story because my father and mother are very, very private. I got on social media many years ago, mainly because people were asking me about my children. And, uh, you know, they and I have friends all over. And they wanted to see pictures of my children. My daughter, Dallas is 10. And somehow, some way, only only God knows how, it became a medium for me to to just share my journey, you know. And so I'm on uh, LinkedIn at, at Cod Holdings, A D Holdings. Um, I'm on um, I'm on um, uh, Stephen Shia, MD. Also on LinkedIn. Um, I'm at Dr. Swami on Instagram at D-O-C-T-O-R Swami. Um, I also, I guess I have a website now, Stephen Shia MD. Uh, So all of this is not really for any self um, promotion, but I think God made me an evangelist at heart and just sharing my journey. I get a lot of positive feedback on it. Um, I'm certainly not that smart um, in the sense that, it's it's just my daily like way to live in the moment and don't forget no matter what's going on, you know God's grace is there and it's it's there for the taking if you're willing to to look for it you know and so it's kind of that for me. Um, last night I had the chance to speak at the University of Michigan, um, uh, athletes and, and you know it, I get to do a lot of fun stuff and so it's it's a blessing. It's a blessing.
1: And how did you, if I could, before we go, how did you get to meet the Pope?
0: (laughs) So, it's a funny story. So, I was, um, I really have always tried to include family in my my journeys and my travels. And my, um, I, I got invited by a friend to a couple events. So, one event, it was in Aspen. And he's like, you gotta come, you gotta come skiing while I'm newly married and I have young kids and I'm like, you know, I don't think I could tell my wife I'm going there on business. Then he invites me to go to this, um, they have a private island in the Bahamas. And that's even more challenging. Hey, honey, I'm going to go in this cold winter. I got to go to the Bahamas to jet ski for business. Uh, it's a tough sell. And I, I can sell a lot of things, us Middle Eastern folks. Uh, but that one was a tough. So finally the guy comes back and says, okay, um, I'm going to the Vatican, and we're going to get a chance uh, you know, to meet a lot of people. And I'm like, can I bring my family? and he's like yes so i'm like uh wow okay so it was a very difficult trip and because uh, my two young kids uh four and two and it was the first time we traveled abroad and of course we're in an airplane with some passengers that were you know they weren't very patient with my children and my one of my kids was throwing up the whole time and my <laughs> wife was pregnant to just <laughs> add on to that so anyway um uh, so we get to the we get to the Vatican, and um, you know, really, the kids couldn't really hang out, and maybe because there was a lot of security there, so there's only you know they had Vice President Biden was there, they had you know, <laughs> I mean the you know, Nobel Prize laureates, philanthropists. So anyway, um, there was a part for the family where um, you could bring your family to, which was to meet the Pope, and. So what happened was is that um, we uh, somehow, miraculously, we were sitting right in front of the Pope. I mean literally we're like 10 feet from the Pope. Now, you have to understand Vice President Biden is sitting next to us. Alexandra Parker, Sean Parker, who started Facebook, she's sitting next to us. And so there was a bunch of folks, like a bunch of uh, like senators, U.S. senators – multi-gazillionaires, Nobel Prize laureates, and they were all sitting behind us. So anyway, we're sitting there, and we got these great pictures with the Pope. My son got kissed by both Pope Francis and Vice President Biden the same day, so I told my wife, like, where is he going to go from here? He kind of reached kind of a high point. Um, So the funny thing is, is that, and I've never shared this story, I had about a dozen people come up to me after because the pope spent a lot of time with us and you know he he took pictures with a lot of folks but we we, we had the prime spot so i've literally got senators and these multi-billionaires and all these people coming up to me and they're like hey uh, i got a question for you how much do those seats cost <laughs> i mean what do the seats cost now mind you i'm in the vatican i don't want to lie you know god's watching me here so I you know I I'm like I don't know what to say because I don't want to cause an issue you know like because uh, we didn't pay anything uh, I, I don't want to tell kids because they were you know what I mean like uh, so I fortunately I, I you know I just said you know I, I I that's between God and I and I so I deflected so because uh, I you know did a little uh, didn't want to lie but didn't you know I didn't want to say I didn't pay anything we I mean, had the best seats in the house you know sorry. Um, but,
1: or I picked out my kids, you know, but, uh, thank God I had beautiful children
0: and a beautiful wife and, uh, it was a special moment and, um, and we've had many of those moments, uh, many of those moments, uh, you know, and, and it's, it's just, it's an honor and we just want to do whatever we can to, uh, to, uh, you know, glorify, uh, you know, God's name. So
1: but we just appreciate you being a guest today, you know, and um, what a
0: beautiful journey, your family and yourself and its story. Thank you for sharing that with us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank thank you for having me.
0: You guys are such wonderful, beautiful people. Mm -hmm. Keep shining, you know, and I know you guys are making a difference for a lot of people. I can't tell you how honored I am just to be able to participate.
1: No, thank you so much. And for all the people that are, are watching and if you do like this content just press that subscribe button on the YouTube and if you're listening on Spotify or iTunes or whether it's from the west coast east coast or abroad we just hope you truly as Stephen says search for your passion because your passion will collide in with your purpose and there's no greater sweet spot in your life than truly living on purpose Uh, for a purpose. And we're all individuals. We're all one of a kind. And we all have amazing gifts, talents, and blessings. So we just hope that each and every one of you, whatever you're going through, you move forward. You have faith. You speak life into yourself. And may God continue to protect you, Stephen, direct you, your whole family. So we just thank you for being on Living Your Purpose. With this lovely woman, Joyce, and myself. So thank you, my friend.
0: God bless you guys. God thank bless you, for you.
1: me. Be good.